Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Oh, no. You missed the song. <laughs> Darn it. I needed everything. Yeah. Wasn't there a rural gentleman? This is Harry Nopi. No more singing. No, sing it up. Have a, fun, have a good time. <laughs> sing out, Louise. <laughs> That's your that That's dance. dance. Well, we opened up that door, didn't we? So oh, on on Ethel this Merman. episode, of... sorry, we are talking about no more leadership BS because we're all here together having a great time. And what we've realized throughout this series of over 80 episodes is that you don't get a chance to know us individually as well. What we'd like to do is take a bit of time to spotlight one of our superhuman people. And today's superhuman is Jeff McLaughlin. Geoff, Jeff, Geoff McLaughlin. And so to kick it off, we'll give you the wheel again. And uh, just start us off. Who are you? What's your business? How'd you get started? Where are you set? Who am I? That's a great, that's a very metaphorical existential question. Not a metaphor. It's an actual question. Okay. So I am a, <laughs> obviously the not serious one of the bunch. Uh, that's okay. I am Jeff Geoff McLaughlin and I am the owner, CEO, founder of Professionals at Play and a professional speaker, facilitator, and coach. And I work with groups uh, on how do we engage with each other in a positive manner and create a positive climate and culture in the organization that you're in. And uh, actually started off in education and loved working in education, taught everything from kindergarten all the way up through high school. And I taught woodshop and PE. I actually have all my fingers. Can't say the same about all my students. I had a couple that were very determined. And uh, yeah, I love working with people. Let's see here in the last 17, 18 years now, I've worked with almost 2 million people across the United States. And uh, I've had a blast doing that. Been doing that for, yeah, like the 18, 18 years now. Absolutely love what I get to do. My passion is really speaking. I do a little bit of coaching as is as needed. And that's not what my, my primary business is. My primary business is speaking and working with groups and teams and doing facilitation, which is a different skill. It's like coaching, but a live in-person group coaching session with up to, I think my biggest audience has been in the thousands. So two or 3000 people. Yeah. It's a little bit different coaching with that many people. It's challenging, but also really exciting and fun. Yeah. That's what I do. Cool. So quick follow-up. You said there may be some lost fingers. Is that due to the wood shop or due to those wheeled scooters on the gym floor? Either can be true. Yeah. Uh, I think we only ever lost the fingernail to the, uh, to the scooters. But yeah, I had one student that was absolutely determined to cut off a finger. And she was the sweetest eighth grade student ever. And she would stand in line, bleeding, like holding a finger. And like, she'd wait in line and be like, can I go to the nurse now? And I'm like, you don't have to wait in line for that. Just go. She's okay, cool. Okay, I'm gonna go to the nurse. Bye. Just and she did that three times. And three times. Wow. Yes. She I'm gonna go to the nurse. Could you write me a note, please? I don't want to get caught in the hall with my stump. That's I actually, yeah. She never cut it completely off, but she tried really hard. She was 
are just not really good with sauce. Can you tell us a little bit about the transition. So you started education. What was it that made you think this new path, this is where I want to go? That's actually an interesting story. I was working in education at the time. I believe I was a kindergarten teacher, which I absolutely loved. I loved working with little half humans, little tiny five-year-olds. Uh, they were great. They're, they're like puppy dog training. It really is You're teaching them how to do school. And we incorporated singing, dancing, play, make-believe toys. We did everything that you want to do in kindergarten. And the kids thought it was a blast. And so I learned how to communicate effectively through five-year-olds, because if you can get a five-year-old to actually do something, it has to be the simplest, easiest possible direction. And so I learned how to give directions and how to work with groups through five-year-olds, which is a challenging group already, but absolutely some of the greatest. I will say that the part of it was the politics of education that I didn't appreciate. I was told I was having too much fun in the classroom and that school should be a little more serious, which I completely disagreed with because they're five-year-olds. They need fun to be engaged. And what I quickly realized was that maybe the classroom wasn't where I was supposed to be. As much as I enjoyed teaching, the classroom made me a little claustrophobic. So I was lucky enough that I had somebody in my life that realized what I did through professional theater and they me to come and see what they did because they were working with students in just a tiny different manner. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's what I meant to be. I meant to do that and work with large groups of people. And so I transitioned quickly and call, started calling myself a professional speaker. I think the very first year I ever did it, I think I did seven days, uh, which is not enough to make a living. I had to get much better, much quickly, uh, much quicker. Is that a word? Much quicker? Quicker, quickly. Much easily quicker. Much easily quicker. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up just dedicating myself and taking as big speaking engagements as I possibly could and facilitations. And now I'm, I'm over a thousand, thousand presentations. I've got, I don't know, I think I, this last four weeks, I've had almost a hundred hours on stage, which is crazy. Um, so literally thousands and thousands of hours on stage in front of people. And it's my absolute passion. I love working with groups. I love helping facilitate learning and my Company is professionals of play. So everything I do has a portion of play in it. Even when we're talking about really challenging conversations, when we're talking about how do we have confrontation and do that appropriately, there's still a sense of play. Because if you've laughed with someone, if you played with them, when you do have those moments of confrontation where you have to talk about something challenging, it's a whole lot easier because you actually care about somebody else. And so that was my transition into the speaking facilitating world. And it's been quite an adventure now. Yeah. I've loved every minute of it, almost every minute, minus the travel delays and that kind of stuff. But that's part of life. Right. Yeah. My hat is off to you, Jeff, for loving to be on stage because there's no place I'd rather not be. So I, I love that there's people that, that really enjoy being in the limelight and, and comfortable there and can deliver their message. Your message, if I understand it right, is happiness and joy and you're passionate about it. And you make everybody laugh. And we, I don't know what I'd do without you in these groups because you keep us in stitches. What impact does that make on other people's life when they get it? What, I mean, that's got to drive you is the impact that you're making on people's lives. Yeah, I would say at first I was enticed into the world of speaking because I was told that the speaker's fees were massive. And then I realized I was working in mostly in education and that's not the case. But, uh, 
So you have to deal in volume and, but that makes you better very quickly. And so what I realized was that when I got to work with students and I got to the end of the program, cause I helped create programs that they, their realization that it's okay to care about somebody else. So many kids, so many people in general don't realize how much they matter to somebody else because we get so busy that we don't take the time to tell them and facilitating the opportunity for people to say, you matter to me, that you are important and here's why. Those moments are absolutely magical. And literally thousands of stories about watching people tell somebody else that you matter to me and somebody just bursts into tears because it's the first time they've ever been told that they matter. And it's just, it's heartbreaking and eye-opening and it's, it's joy at the same time because now somebody knows that they care and that's important. So, but yeah. yeah. Would it to say that you facilitate human connection? Absolutely. I think that's probably actually, I might actually steal that, Myra. I facilitate human connection. We don't have enough connection, not true connection. And I'm just listening to you. It seems, oh, you're having them connect when they used to be separated. Yeah, absolutely. What is the worst presentation you've done? And what's the best presentation you've done? Uh, 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 uh. Oh my gosh. The worst presentation I've ever done. There have been a few. I would say I'd have 90, 98% success rate, which is pretty darn good. But every once in a while, you go someplace that just doesn't work. I was at a school in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was, okay, I can't remember the exact town, but it was where they had the riots. Okay. And I was there weeks before that happened. And as soon as I walked into the school, I knew, I was like, this is not a good environment. It looked and felt like a prison for kids. It was horrible. They literally had lines on the floor and they said, your feet have to be within the lines. You, when you walk in the hallway, this is where you walk. You had all the educators out in the hallway, just directing people. This is how you, that's on the line. And it was horrible. And so when all of a sudden they got to be in a group, it was, it, it was chaos because they were given a tiny bit of freedom and it was just, it just exploded. And then it was a different environment talking. I do a lot of talk. I, I do a lot of talking, but I also have everybody else do a lot of talk because that's important. That's how you get to know somebody else. And so when you get to talk to somebody else, that's great, but there's also times to listen. And it was so hard to bring them back to listening. And so I will say that they had a very successful moment in the keynote. And that was a brilliant moment. And it was probably the best part of that day, but the rest of it was just really challenging. So that would probably be one of the worst. And I've had a couple of those, the absolute best. Oh my gosh. There, there's so many of the absolute best, which I got to say is a good thing. I had a, a student once that it was, I did this thing where I'd have chairs set out and I'd have kids sit on the chairs and it was all about support. And then they'd lay back on the lap, of the person behind them. And then I'd pull the chairs out from underneath them and see what happened. And I was in a crowd in Chicago, Illinois, and I think I had a thousand or so, a little over a thousand middle schoolers. And I went to pick out my kids and I was like, I need to tell a story first, ridiculous story. And I say, I need volunteers. I need four of them. And probably 700 kids raised their hands. And I was like, ow, okay, okay, I'll see here. How about you and you and you? And the last person I pointed to, I wasn't paying attention. They were in the front row and it was a special needs student and came out and I ask all the kids and this kid tells us everybody his name. And I say, are y'all sports? I do all these things. And this kid's talking to the microphone, just like everybody else. 
We do the little exercise, place goes wild. It's great success. Everybody goes back and sits down. And when I watch it, as he went and sat back down, everybody over in the corner, all of his adults were just sobbing, just sobbing. And I'm like, oh, oh crap, what I do? Like, I'm in trouble now. I finished my keynote and these ladies come up to me, just tears streaming down their face. And they're like, I don't think you know what you just did. That kid is highly autistic. He doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. He just got in front of a group of a thousand plus people, told everybody his name, spoke, did this crazy activity and didn't freak out and then came back and sat down. We've been working with him for years and we probably heard him say his name a dozen times and he just did it in front of a thousand people. And so it was the power of play, the power of joy and happiness that all of a sudden brought him out. And I was like, that was for me, I still get goosebumps and I like, I just, that's a good thing. Yeah. That was a real good day. That's a good day. And then we got to play with 250 kids for the next eight hours. It was just so much fun. So that was a good, I would say that was a win. Absolutely. Jeff, this is, you introduce yourself. I've heard you do it lots and lots of times as Jeff G off McLaughlin. Settle it once and for all. Is it Jeff or is it G off? There are a significant portion of young people across the United States that would say it's Sasquatch. So there's also that in the mix. So you can. That's uh, the beard, right? Yes. Yeah. I would say Jeff, but I don't care if people call me G off. I, all my teachers call me G off the very first day of class every single year. And so all my friends call me G off as well. So Jeff or G off is apparently it's pronounced Jeff some places and G off in others. Okay. Either okay, way. I don't really care. Yeah. Either way. So here's a serious question for you. What'd you say? You've been doing eight, 18 years. And that last story you just told about the special needs kid, that's a very moving story. So you, and clearly thousands of people and, and t- tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people and thousands of presentations. T- tell me wh- where are you going next, man? What's happening next? Where do you see professionals at play and Jeff Geoff McLaughlin going say over the next two, three, four years? That's a First of all, thank you. That's a great question. I have been working on doing more work in the corporate. For those of you that can't see because we're on the radio, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I know that I have a shelf life in front of students. And so I, about eight years ago, started going, wait a minute. Eventually, some, at some point, students, young kids are going to go, wait, you're just some old dude. Sorry, we don't want to listen to you. No matter how energetic you are, no matter everything, you got great hair, you look like a fit Santa which I'm like, okay, with okay. <laughs> Hashtag life goal, fit Santa, it's mine. So I actually had an educator once say, why don't you do this for adults? We as teachers, we as educators, we would love this. And she goes, my husband works at this company and I would love it if you would do this for his company because they need it too. And that's where Professionals of Play started about eight years ago. And I just had the idea of why can't I play and have fun with adults? And I started doing that. And now I've worked with a multi-billion dollar company I've worked with startups. I've worked with some individuals who are just just beginning their careers. I've done some speaking coaching, which has been interesting. And I really am looking forward to getting out into the corporate world and working with those organizations that really want to change their culture. And so it's the hard part is that I love working with people and I love working with different industries. The hard part is niching down and saying exactly these are the ones that I want to work with and telling people no. Because if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, wait a minute, I've got this organization and we could really use some help with how do we take care of each other? I am more apt to say yes, because I really, truly, in every fiber of my being, want to help people. And I think the cool part about what I do is I get to help a lot of people in a very quick manner, which is great. And then I can 
take people like our group here and say, if you want to continue this, I can help you out. But at the same time, that's not really my forte. My passion is working with the group live in person. And if you need some additional coaching, I am so happy to refer other coaches and to refer other people to say, they need this very specific thing. And here's some people that I know that are highly qualified in that arena. And so I do love, I love speaking, presenting, facilitating, and doing, getting to do that with adults is where I've been focusing my energies and efforts lately. And yeah, I just got back from a conference in Michigan where I worked with, yeah, probably about a hundred adults from different industries, wildly successful because they didn't know each other. And in 15 minutes of play, they got to have three or four different partners and they got to play and laugh and engage. And then I gave them all my phone number because I forgot business cards because I have to leave at four o'clock in the morning. And it instantly, 20 texts of people like, oh my gosh, who's who I am? We need to tech, talk. And so that's a good thing though. So play is a human connector. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, the language you speak, religion, politics doesn't matter. When you play with somebody, it's the absolute ultimate human connecting device. And so I facilitate human connection. It's pretty awesome. Love that. Yeah. This is awesome. And so is your story. We appreciate being able to hear how you came to be where you are. And it wasn't an overnight success. And I think that our listeners will know that inherently, but appreciate the story of how you got there. And when you think about this pivot, as people listen to this story and they think, oh, that sounds like it can fit, not my K-12 environment, but my corporate environment. What's the best way to get a hold of you or find out what you're up to? Actually, the best way is probably on social media. I know it's not my favorite thing to do, but it is a great way to connect with people for the initial initial connection, right? I'm on LinkedIn at Jeff McLaughlin. That's G off. And then McLaughlin, like Sarah McLaughlin, the singer, or you can type in professionals at play and I will pop up as well. I'm on Facebook, same things. And I'm on Instagram, professionals at play.com. Uh, that's my website. You can reach me there or you can find me on the uh, No More Leadership BS podcast page as well. And more than happy to interact with people and answer any questions. Even if somebody's just, dude, I have a business meeting coming up. I need a quick activity. I actually have an ebook about that. I'll just send you the ebook. So email me, jeff at professionals at play.com. And I will send you that book for free. Just awesome. like Sarah so, McLaughlin. Just like Sarah McLaughlin. Remain the sad pussy. <laughs> right. Apparently she's a cousin so, somewhere down the line. I don't even. So wrap it up on that high note. Thank you so much for allowing yourself to be in the hot seat and for the questions we were able to fire your way. Always a good conversation. And this is a no more leadership BS. Let's do it again next week. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the no leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then. <laughs>